the last minute preparations, what we need to know, as far as halakha is concerned, regarding the halakhot of Shavuot. So before we begin, let's give you the regular introductions, the numbers, how to reach us, how to contact us, and how to listen. The number to the studio, and as usual, we recommend you call after the show, it's 718-683-5858. The text number, that's the best way to reach us, is 347 927-8398. Feel free to send in your text anytime during the show. And Bazat Hashem, if it's a subject that we have not discussed or haven't, you know, clarified, you could please send it in and we'll try to bring it up on the show, Bazat Hashem. The number to listen is 718-506-9099 or of course on jrootradio.com. Okay, let's begin. Let's get straight to the class. We're in the last few days before Shavuot. We're already in Rosh Chodesh. It's already the month of Sivan. And we need to know preparations, how to prepare ourselves for the holiday of Shavuot. So I want to begin with some halachot. Some of them may seem a little bit simple. Some of them are, are a little bit simple. But when we clarify, we see, we go into it, we see that's a little bit more complicated, whatever it may be. Um, so let's begin. First of all, meals. The basic preparations, and I know that most of my listeners in the daytime are ladies, and in the evening it's mostly men. So in the daytime, I know most ladies are listening, so the hachanot, the preparation that the ladies are doing for Matan Torah is the meals. The younger ladies are figuring out exactly where we're going to eat, which meal, and the ones who are a little bit older, where their children are coming over, they're already starting to cook, and they're preparing all the sa'udot and the meals that we need to have. So of course, everybody has his regular guests, People usually invite their, you know, children, grandchildren, you know, relatives, cousins, whatever it may be. Still, there's a halakha in who to invite to your meal. Now, this is going to sound pretty simple, but it's leading up to something else. What's a halakha? There's a halakha based on the pasuk. We all know that we are allowed to cook on Yom Tov. It's not only cooking. It's a lot of other melachot as well. We are allowed to do melachot on Yom Tov, which we are not allowed to do on Shabbat. Putting on the fire, cooking, carrying, and borer, a lot of things. And what the heter for that comes from the Pasuk. Pasuk says that, Ach, nefesh, hu Torah tells us that you cannot do, you know, Yom Tov itself is a holiday. You cannot perform any melachot just like you cannot perform on Shabbat. However, there's an exception. Ah, there's an exception. What's the exception? That which is done for every person. If you need to do some sort of melachot that you need for nefesh, let's translate nefesh right now, just to mean, you know, basic necessities of food. Of course, there's other things that are in the explanation of this pasuk, but we want to focus on this point right now. That you're allowed to do. So therefore, if I need to cook on Yom Tov, and of course, we all know, freshly cooked food is much more delicious than something that's warmed up. So in that case, I'm allowed to cook on Yom Tov. But the pasuk tells me, even if I'm allowed to cook on Yom Tov, there's a restriction. Pasuk says, Lachim. You can only cook for yourself. You're not allowed to cook for somebody else. Well, somebody else. I'm not allowed to cook for my family? No, of course. You're allowed to cook for any other Jew. But the Torah says, Lachem, you're not allowed to cook or perform a melacha for a non-Jew. 
Now that may seem very, very simple, but the next halakha where the hachamim come in, it's going to make it a little complicated. It's going to make it a little bit more. The halakha tells us, being that's assumed the right, let's give you a mashah. Let's say a person is making a barbecue on the holiday, on Yom Tov. You're making now, you're putting up burgers. Let's make it very simple, okay? You're putting up burgers, or you're putting up, it's Yom Tov. Nah, not burgers, we're doing steaks, of course, it's Yom Tov. Okay, so you're putting up steaks. So you put the first steak, how many people do you have? Everybody, you have 10 people in the family, you're putting 10 steaks up. You cannot put an 11th steak on the grill where that 11th steak is going to for the purpose of a goy. You're not allowed to cook for a goy. This, and if a person does do so, then the halakha, the Torah tells us that's asur. It's actually asur midde'oraita. It's forbidden midde'oraita to cook for the sake of a goy. Hachamim came and they said that not only are you not allowed to cook for a goy, we're going to make a gezira. You're not allowed to invite a goy to your house on Yom Tov either. It's asur. It's forbidden to invite a goy to your house. So that means when you're calling up your daughter, Sarah, Rachel, Leah, and you're telling them, Please come over with your husbands and your kids. We would love to see you. You cannot call up your neighbor and who's not Jewish, your neighbor who is not Jewish, and invite them also for the Yom Tov meal. Even if you're not cooking for them, even the food is already prepared. You have your rice and your peas and your meat dishes. Everything is cooked already and warmed up already. You're not doing anything extra. There's an isur midderabanan to invite a non-Jew for Yom Tov. You want to invite them, okay, hashkafa aside, you want to invite them for a different day, for Shabbos even, Shabbat, it's fine. But on Yom Tov, there's an Isud Rabbanan to invite a non-Jew to your meal because you might come to cook for them. Even if you're not going to cook for them, there's an Isud Rabbanan to invite them. Okay. Now the question is, okay, what, what, what are you telling us this for? We're not inviting Goyim. Your audience is not really inviting any non-Jews on. It's Yom Tov, it's Be'eniu, Be'nei Israel. it's between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What are you telling us this for? Telling you this for what the Mishnah Barab mentions, and that is that we have a halakha in Shohan Aruch. That person who is Mehalel Shabbat Befarhesia has the same status as a Goy. A person who publicly desecrates the Shabbat. Publicly desecrates the Shabbat. We've mentioned this in a special class in the past. We just go over it. This is a person where he does not care about anybody. He's not embarrassed to desecrate Shabbat, to be Mahalay Shabbat and things that everybody knows about. He's not embarrassed of anybody. He knows what's right. He knows that it's wrong to be Mahalay Shabbat. He knows you're not supposed to, let's say, drive a car on Shabbat. And he does it anyway. He doesn't care about anybody. There's not one person in the world that he cares about. Such a person is called the Mahalash Shabbat Bifarhesia. He has a status in Halakha as a Goy Lehumra. So therefore, the Halakha applies, as the Mishnah says also, you're not allowed to invite such a Jew for your meal. So this is where it's a little harsh. Because some people have relatives that are Mahalash Shabbat. Halakha says you're not allowed to invite them on Yom Tov. You want to invite them on Shabbat, no problem. During the week, of course. But to invite them on Yom Tov is Asur. Before you get too nervous, let me tell you what the Or Letzion says. The Or Letzion, Hakam Letzion about Shaul Zatzal, former Rosh Hashiva Porat Yosef, in Or Letzion Gimel says, however, however, um, if you are inviting such relatives or such people who are not knowledgeable in the Torah, 
That means, although they know, they see other Jews, they know there's Shabbat and things, but they don't think it's so wrong. You know, they grew up that it's not a problem to drive a car on Shabbat. Okay, it's be nicer maybe, but you know, how am I supposed to get around? You know, or, and they don't understand really the severity of Shabbat. So he calls them Tinoch and Shabbat. And if you do, you're inviting them for the purpose of Kiruv, then you want to invite them to your house so they should see what a Yom Tov meal is. And of course, your intention is to get them closer to Hashem, that hopefully, they'll stop driving, they'll stop being Mehalel Shabbat for Hesia. In such a case, Hakam Ben says, then they won't fit into this category. They don't fill in this category of Mehalel Shabbat for Hesia that it would be forbidden to invite them. You're allowed to invite such people on the holiday if your purpose is to be Mekarev them. But if your purpose is not to be Karev them, you find them because you have to invite them, whatever it may be, and you're, you're just, you know, out of being polite, you invite them, there's no, you know, you don't, you don't care less if they get any closer to Judaism, and there are people who know clearly what the halakha says, and they drive on Shabbat anyway, then the restriction applied, the rabbinic restriction, which is the Isud of inviting a non-Jew, will apply to these Jews as well, who are Mahalei Shabbat Verhesia, and you cannot invite them on Yom Tov. Now again, this is taking away the fact that these people, um, what's it called, that you're not allowed to cook for them. Cooking for them is asur. We're talking about the people of Shabbat the ones that are forbidden. We're talking about even inviting them is another isur by itself. So that's number one that we wanted to discuss. The isur of, or, or really, who you're inviting. That's number one. You're, you're not supposed to invite goyim or unfortunately Jews who behave like Goyim when the Mahalei Shabbat Be'ferhesia. Next. The Halakha tells us, as the Pasuk tells us, that we shouldn't forget the needy. I want to read you a Pasuk in Parashat Re'eh. And the Pasuk is very real. Pasuk says, You have to be, rejoice. You have to be happy on your holidays. Hagecha over here refers to all the holidays. So that has a mitzvah of simha. There's a mitzvah to be happy. Who's supposed to be happy? Pasuk says, Atta, you, the Ba'alabayit, Ubincha, Ubitecha, your son, your daughter, Ve'abdecha, Ve'amatecha, your slave and your maidservant. These we don't have today. Unless you're hiding some slave in your basement, you're not letting him out. We don't have slaves and maidservants today. If you have a housekeeper and... <clears throat> Yeah, this, this is, is one, one of the 613 mitzvot. It's mitzvah number 488. Okay, mitzvah so, you look up the Shohan Rus Matav Kuf Chavtet, and he talks about the specific Mizah, Sabhan Yom Tov, and he says, How does a person, how is a person, Mekayim, this Mizah, he says, Hayab, I'm going to read you the words, Hayab Adam Liot Sameach Betob Leba Moed, a person is obligated to be happy and good hearted, good natured on the holiday, 
הוא, הם, ואשתו, and his wife, ובניו, and his children, וכל הנלווים אליו, and everybody who is associated with him. משתברה brings from Charlie to our quotes to Shagat Aryeh, that this mitzvah is applicable to women as well, that means even for a lady is living by herself. Her husband is not around, either he's away on a trip or he's away forever. And she's, or a younger uh, woman, a girl who's not married yet. The mitzvah applies, the mitzvah of Simha applies to men and women as well. There's a little bit of a machloket on it, but the psaq of the Mishnah Berurah is that the mitzvah of Simha applies to women as well. So now, the question is, how do you make them Simha? How do you make your family, you, yourself, your family? So we'll talk about the person later on, about how men are supposed to be Simha. We'll talk about Mazat Hashem if we have time at the end of the class. It's a subject by itself. But let's start. Maran says, How do you make them happy? For the children, you give them what we would call today candies. Now, I want to stress something. Everything that we're about to mention over here is only if the person is able to afford it and it's within the person's means and there's no other damage with it, you know, whether it's monetarily or physically. And if you don't want to give your kids... Candy, because uh, it's going to cost you monetarily, not because of the candy, but because of the de- dentist that comes afterwards, or because the red 40 and the yellow 6 and uh, 5 blue and all these different uh, color things that they put in, uh, food coloring that they put in the food is going to drive them up the walls, it's going to drive you up the walls, so they might have a little bit of sabha, but you're definitely not going to have sabha, so then it doesn't apply. But basically, you're supposed to make the kids happy as well. So whatever it may be, you want to give them a carrot and uh, decorate and let them be happy? Fine, figure it out. But the kids need treats to make them happy. Whatever makes them happy. So you got to do something for the children to make them happy on Yom Tov. Get them treats. For the ladies, Halakha says, The men in the shul do not want me to publicize this Halakha, but um, I'm just saying what it says over here. Let the, let the men deal with it on their own. Ladies, for them, what you buy for them, you buy them clothing and jewelry according to his financial status. Now, the big mahlokah here is not whether to buy your wife or not to buy your wife. The question is, what's my financial status? That's a, that's a big old question. In any case, but yes, a person is a hayub, it's a Now, a person has to make his wife happy by buying her something nice for the holiday. Again, according to his means, whatever he could afford. Here's one last point, and that was one more halakha. The Pasuk also, don't forget, said, Vihayatom, Vihayatom, who is the orphans and the widows? Those are people that are needy. Pasuk says, Vihayab, Leachil, Lagir, Leyatom, Vihayatom, Sharanim. A person is also obligated to feed the Gir, Yatom, Almanah with other Anim as well. Don't forget the people who are needy. And over here it's talking about the needy people who are not going to stick out their hand. Because Aniim, Ani is the guy who's going to go knock on doors. You're going to give them anyway. This is about to give them anyway. But you must give them as well. And, um, and, and you must give the people who are even not going to go ask. I want to read you a quote from the Mishnah Berurah. In Semant Tafkuf Khaftet, in Saif Katan Yudzayim. I'm trying to read it very quickly. אבל מי שנועל דלתי חצרו ואוכב ושותה הוא בניו ואשתו ואינו מאכיל משקיע עניים ומרי נפש. A person who says, you know, I'm going to be מקיים, I'm going to fulfill this mitzvah of happiness, I'm going to be very מחמיר. He brings delicious food, he buys good stuff for himself, for his wife, for his kids, but he neglects this last part of the halakha. He doesn't give to the needy. 
And the people who are means people who are financially needy. My nephews are people who are emotionally needy. Sometimes they're people, they have money, but they need company. You know, it's very lonely to spend the uh, Shabbat meal or Yom Tov meal by yourself, especially the holidays. Everybody's getting together with families. And unfortunately, some people, unfortunately, don't have families, whatever the reason may be. If a person doesn't provide them with happiness, Enzo Samhat Mitzvah. Your happiness, then, you're the one who's locking up your door. It's not a Samhat Mitzvah, it's a Samhat Kereso. This is a happiness for your belly. On such people, it says in the Pasuk, their slaughterings, referring to the Kobanot, that they're going to eat for the holidays, is a bread that's harsh. All who, anybody who eats it becomes Tameh because it's all for themselves. Says the Such a happiness is actually to the detriment. It's, it's going to be against them. As Pasuk says, I'll throw the waste on you. This is a quote that says from the Ramah. Even the Zohar, you read the Zohar where it talks about the Mizvah of Sukkot, he says that on Sukkot we have the Shabbat, they come to your house. If you don't invite guests, if you don't give, you don't provide for people that need it, the Shabbat Shabbat get up and they each give a kelala and walk out. Very harsh. The, the Salim bring very, very harsh things. A person who does not extend his happiness to other people that need it. He says over here, what can we do? He says, the says, You have to be careful that no poor person should be left without a meal. Food and also company. What can we do? There are a lot of people, unfortunately, that will stick out their hand and ask. Again, he says, listen to this, what Habitaim says over here, a beautiful thing. He says, Some places they have a minhag. Before the holiday comes, People who care about others go to the houses of the wealthy in order to collect for the people who are too embarrassed to stick their hand out. Who, and fortunate, fortunate are the people who go around collecting for the needy. They are not only just, they're fortunate, they're only, not only they have a zikhut, but also the people that you're collecting from also, you're giving them a zikhut. So this is very important. When we come to the holiday, a person should always think, you know, who could use a meal? Who probably doesn't have? Especially people who are learning yeshiva, sometimes yeshiva may not provide for other people. And uh, you have uh, other people who stand there lonely, single people that never married. And, you know, they, they, they just need a family around. People are from out of town, or they, even they live here, but they don't live with family, older people. A person has to keep an eye on that. Now, I know that sometimes people get very upset when they themselves try to go around to collect from other people and other people don't give. I want to tell you now that the people are going around to collect that be careful also as you're doing such a big mitzvah of collecting for the needy that don't pick up more avirot as you collect. There's a mitzvah of dan dechav zechut. You have to judge somebody favorably. Sometimes people get very upset. I'm going to collect from this ashir. He looks like ashir. He has a big house and he doesn't want to give me. 
Not even a dollar. Or give you a dollar. It's a joke. What's a dollar going to do? We all know the bills for the holiday, how much it is. Come on. Give me a break. So calm down. Before you, first of all, there's a spot to judge everybody favorably, right? Number two is you don't know a person's financial situation. Just because a person has what looks like he has a nice house and, and, and car, you don't know how much bills he's probably in debt. He might be even getting into the car without us knowing. And I have a few stories where, unfortunately, people who, are, who look like they're very well, in fact, they even give what, what looks like they're giving tzedakah, but they only give tzedakah out of embarrassment where they themselves are in need of a tzedakah. Number three, also, you, when people don't give you tzedakah, perhaps they already gave so much to other places and they're not telling you. And you don't know what, what the person's personal life is. So you got to be careful also not to criticize other Jews because they're not hopping on such a mitzvah that the rabbi said on the radio. No, everybody's doing their own mitzvah. Let everybody worry about himself. You want to be a Zakarabim? You want to collect? Great. And if other people don't want to give you, Hashem should bless every Jew. Everybody should be able to be on the giving end and should be able to help everybody. Hashem, we shouldn't come to criticize others and knock others. Now here we've discussed the ger, the yatom, and the almana, and we've discussed bincha or b'techa. We said b'techa, we made everybody happy, but there's one person in the pasuk that we missed. What about the levi? It says in the pasuk that you have to make the levi happy. So what? We're supposed to give money to the levi? You told me this is a mitzvah de right? This is a mitzvah that's applicable even today. As Maran brings it. So how, who, which Levine do we give the Kohanim or anybody from Shep Levi? So I want to read you an excerpt from a sefer called Binyan Shlomo. You'll find it at the end of the Semana Gimel where he talks about the Hadith of Shabbat. This is Rabbi Shlomo Akon from Vilna. He lived in the 1800s. This is a sefer that's, that all the Harim bring down as far as how to be Mikayim, how to fill the Mizvah of the Levi. I want to read it again inside. He says like this. Hilkach, after he talks about a whole lengthy thing, why did the Torah command that we should give Shevet Levi? He says, because Shevet Levi was in those times, as it says in the Pasuk, that they are the ones in charge of teaching Torah to the Jewish people. So he says, Hilkach, just like Tanz Ben Migdash, when a person has a field, and then he would he harvest the field, he would take percentage from his field. And all the different fields that come from harvesting your field, you take from it and you give it to the Kohanim Levim, who are in charge of learning Torah and teaching Torah. Hakanami says the Binyach law, Mutal Mzat Aseh, Inna Nesmiyah Tatamidah Hakamim Rabbanah Kilod Baregel. There's a mitzvah, I say, it's a mitzvah nowadays to make the Tamidah Hakamim, the rabbis of the Kilod, the rabbis of Shul, the rabbis of synagogues, rabbis of Batim Midrashot, to make them happy in, on the holiday, especially. Why? Because, as any rabbi will tell you, in the holidays, there's a bigger, more responsibility on, of disseminating Torah, teaching Torah. When it comes to how these questions come left and right, what do we do here, what do we do then? All the halakot, and they're all sitting there with that responsibility of teaching Torah, answering all the questions. Yeshiva come home, and 
all the questions, boom, uh, knock. A uh, uh, son who's learning Kola comes to the holiday meal. Every, every subject of Torah is asked for to him. Therefore, the mitzvah of supporting the Levi that says in the Torah says, so therefore, if a person wants to be this mitzvah simhat, simhat being happy on holiday, you make your family happy, you make the anim happy, don't forget also the Levi, who, as the Torah says, don't forget the Levi, laws of the Tabinah Hachamim, as the Rambam writes in the end of the Chot Shemitah Yobel. Those that dedicate their lives to learning Torah, especially those who are involved in the Tibur that disseminate Torah. Before we move on to the next subject, I just want to answer a question that we didn't clarify. We said you're not allowed to invite a non-Jew on Yom Tov, right? So what about a person's housekeeper? Are you allowed to invite her? So is on Yom Tov, you're not allowed to cook anything extra special for the non-Jew, even your housekeeper. Which means, let's go back to the mashal of, let's say, making a barbecue on Yom Tov. And you're making steaks for everybody. So now, uh, your housekeeper also wants a piece of steak. So you have 10 people, everybody's getting one steak, and we're putting an extra steak for her. That's asur. But if you're cooking for everybody all together, and you're making one big pot, and of course, some leftovers you're giving to her, that's also mutah. Ma, could you have a housekeeper come over? Is that a problem inviting them? No. There's no isur that the housekeeper is there. The isur of inviting a non-Jew only applies to a person that you have to honor. That because it's so hashub, they're so important, you were worried that you're going to go ahead and cook for them something special on Yom Tov. If your housekeeper doesn't want to eat from what you cook, you're not making her anything. You're going to tell her, go take a bag of chips and a can of tuna fish and enjoy. You don't like it? There's a pizza store down the block. Go help yourself. Right? You're not going to cook anything special with them. Not so have invited the presidential nominees and you have some important, let's say the mayor comes to visit you on the holiday and now, now he wants to eat something, then we're worried they might go cook something special for them. them. But not your housekeeper. We're not worried about your housekeeper. housekeeper. Those, Those work for you. So, so therefore, if they're in your house, that's, that's fine. You just can't cook for them extra, but from what you made already, they're allowed to have again, but as long as you don't cook anything for them special. And if they want to warm up their own food that you already made from before, well, that's, they, they can, can do, do that. That's not, not a problem. Let's get to the last subject now of preparations for the holiday of Shavuot. And that is the mitzvah of Kavod Yom Tov. Just like Shabbat, there's a mitzvah that we have to honor Shabbat. And how do you honor Shabbat? With nice clothing, with uh, personal hygiene, taking a shower, for the men taking haircuts and shaving, or if they shave, Cutting your nail is the same thing when it comes to the holiday. This is a mitzvah for us to take a haircut, to shave in preparation of the holiday. Now, for those who follow the Minhag of Arizal by Shabbat, by Ispirat Omer, that they don't take haircuts till the last day of the Omer, so I mean, now on the 49th day of the Omer, you can take already your haircut then. And somebody once mentioned that maybe you're not allowed to take a haircut until the afternoon if you don't like the Arizal. Could you take a haircut? even in the morning, or you have to wait till the afternoon. So I didn't see anywhere that says that a person must wait till the afternoon. My personal opinion is that you can even take it in the morning for two reasons. Number one is, the whole reason why we find some, say, Eid of Hag, that a person is allowed to take a haircut where he wasn't allowed to take a haircut before in the morning. Eid comes, he's allowed to take a haircut. We find that by Avelut. There, because the holiday is breaking it, 
So because so the holiday is breaking it, so then so we tell you, wait till the last moment when the holiday is coming in, in, and then over there, take a haircut. Really, the reason we don't take haircuts, according to that, is all the 49 years of it has nothing to do with Avilut. It's his man of Deen, and therefore you have to wait. So why should I wait till the afternoon? They came, I can already take a haircut. Number two is also be preferable to take a haircut in the morning for the simple reason that you might be too late in the afternoon. That you, that you didn't pay, pay high yet, yet and, and you, you might, might go into Shabbat, Shabbat with the problem, as Allah says, says, that there's a certain time limit. If a person didn't pay high to sit in front of a barber, even nowadays that maybe you get delayed, also you have other preparations to do. So I would say, my personal opinion, you could take a haircut as early as as uh, the 49th day comes. Now, when the holiday of Shabbat comes on Monday Shabbat, so then, obviously, the 49th day is going to be Shabbat. You can't take a haircut then. You can even take a haircut then by the 48th day of the Omer. You can already start taking a haircut. Clothing. Like we said, there's special clothing they have to wear for Yom Tov. The, the halakha is that, believe it or not, Maran brings down that the clothing of Yom Tov has to be better than the clothing of Shabbat. This does not mean that if a person doesn't have the money that he has to go out and buy extra clothing, nicer clothing, no. But if, let's say, you buy your, you know, personally, some, I'll buy a suit maybe once a year, once in a year and a half, depends, you know, it also depends on the sale. So then, in that case, even if you're buying it, so you wear it for the holiday of Yom Tov, you, you wear it for the holiday, then you can return it to a Shabbat suit afterwards. That's going to be the same thing. If you have the option, if you have the means to do it, the clothing for Yom Tov should be more hashub than that of Clothing of the Shabbat. Okay, next. Let's talk about halakhot on Shavuot itself. Okay, so there's a few halakhot I really hope, Mr. Hashem, with a little bit of time that we have, a little, it's another half an hour, Mr. Hashem, we should be able to cover at least the main subject. Let's begin. When Shavuot falls out on Mosei Shabbat, then we come into certain halachot that we have to know about, and that is hachana, preparation. As a general rule, you're not allowed to prepare from Shabbat for the sake of Yom Tov the next day, or even from one day of Yom Tov for the second day of Yom Tov. That's the general rule. So now, let's begin. Now, our obvious issue is when Motzei Shabbat is going to be the holiday of Shabbat, what will we do regarding Hachanah? Could a person sleep? Could a person sleep on Shabbat? So this way he could stay up. As we all know, the Minahag is to stay up on Shabbat. So could a person sleep on Shabbat so he could have energy to stay up the whole night of Shabbat? So Hachanah is really a person is allowed to sleep. Not a problem. He can sleep on Shabbat. Why? Because in general, sleeping on Shabbat is an awning, is enjoyable for Shabbat itself. So therefore, to sleep on Shabbat is mutar, even if your intention is for the sake of Motzei Shabbat, that you should stay up. Some irony bring down that's preferable that a person should not say, I'm going to sleep so I can stay up less Shabbat. But even if a person says that, yes, I'm going smoke, you have definitely a lot of heterim. I don't want to get into it. Why? Yes, why not? But if a person sleeps on Shabbat for the sake of Motzei Shabbat, which what he's doing is a mitzvah, it's mutar, preferable that he shouldn't say it, he should just go to sleep, and it's self-understood in his mind. Next, and this is pretty simple, the next halakha, but I have to say it anyway, 
One cannot warm up the food, even though the food was pre-cooked before Shabbat. One cannot warm up the food on Shabbat so it can be ready on Motzah Shabbat earlier. You just have to wait till Shabbat is completely over. That means if you hold a bit of time, you have to wait because it's right, right? So you have to wait till a bit of time is over and then start warming up the food. Oh, we have the meal so late. Yeah, but what can we do? We didn't decide when Shabbat should come. We didn't decide when Shabbat should finish. So we have to follow what the Halakha tells us. You cannot warm up the food until Shabbat is over. Also, one cannot prepare the table until Shabbat is over. So let's say you have the Bobby and the Zaidi and the, you know, the, the grandparents where they have all the grandchildren coming over, the children and the grandchildren. You have to set up for 40 people. You have to wait until Shabbat is over to be able to set up. Okay. What about can I tell a goy? I don't want to do it. Fine. The Jew is not allowed to prepare for Shabbat till Motzei Shabbat. Can, can a Jew tell a goy to prepare the Shabbat table? We're not talking about melacha. We're not talking about warming up food. We're not talking about doing anything that's a melacha. We're setting up. It's a terhap. Could a Jew command a goy on Shabbat to do hachana for Motzei Shabbat, which is a Yom Tov? So this is the question of the pre-megadim. Pre-megadim is mesupad. It's mentav kuvimol. He's not sure. He says, maybe, you know, it's Amir Akum, but then they, since you can't do it, so maybe you can't tell a goy to do it. Or maybe the whole Isur of preparing the table on Shabbat for the sake of Motzei Shabbat is because of Terha. And we don't want you to exert yourself unnecessarily. So over here, what are you doing? You're, you're telling the goy to exert himself? Who cares? Let the goy exert himself. What is he, what's the difference? Anyway, you're paying him for whatever it is. So that's the Safik. He remains with the Safik. The Maharsham in the Torah says that's mutar. He's making his lenient. And I saw that Pesket Shuvot also brings the, this Maharsham. He goes with him as well. He says that it's mutar. It's only because of Tarhal. Let the Goy have Tarhal. You're allowed to tell the Goy to set up. However, however, the Mishnah Berura is the man Shin Yutet Nchod Borer of the safe Samach Bet. I want to read you what he says. He says, Hachana Lahol. He's talking about Shabbat. On Preparing on Shabbat for the sake of the weekday or for the sake of after Shabbat is an Isud Rabbanan and it's only permitted to tell a Goy if there's a financial loss. That will be what we once learned about Only if there's a financial loss then we're allowed to permit a Goy. So setting up the table there's no financial loss over there. So the Halakha would be, according to the Mishnah Berurah, that you cannot tell a goy to prepare. Also, the Halakha Berurah goes with this as well. Hakan David Yosef goes with the Shittah. It means another Isur over there that it can be a problem of Amirah. We know on Shabbat, in Allah, to speak about things that are forbidden, so we need to speak about it. It can be a problem as well. Even though you do for the sake of Mitzvah, it's Matilim, but a person should avoid it. Only if it's really necessary, fine. However, however, you should know, that if the goy does it on their own, that means the housekeeper knows that there's four people coming on the Shabbat, and on her own she goes and she sets up the table. You don't have to stop her. Let her do it on her own. You didn't tell her anything. That will be fine. She wants to give her own terha. That's fine. She's doing it for herself. She doesn't do all the extra work on the Shabbat. She wants to leave as soon as possible. Next subject is when Shabbat is on the Shabbat. Is what do you do with Shabbat? Are you allowed to have Shabbat Shabbat? In general, we say. And for the sake of the honor of Shabbat, of the holiday, a person is not allowed to eat a meal so close to the holiday because we want you to enjoy the Yom Tov meal and we want you to be a little hungry. What about when Shabbat is out of Yom Tov? 
Can you have some less shoes? I should use in the afternoon. So what do you do? Are you allowed to have it or not? The Rama brings in Saman Tafkuf Khaftet again. He says you're allowed to have some less shoes on Shabbat when it's ahead of Yom Tov. But he adds three words and he says, Ve'yochal me'at pat. You should eat only a little bit of bread. You should eat so much bread. A little bit of bread. What does it mean a little bread? It doesn't mean a bite. It means a kezait or kebetzah, according to some opinions. You shouldn't have more than that. That's it. You got to do your uh, Weight Watchers uh, diet for this meal. Eat exactly just what you need for this Avodah sheet. So now, there's other suggestions I brought down for this, and each one will ask your rabbi exactly what you should follow. Other ideas I brought down is like this. If you're having your Sa'udah on Shabbat, you're talking about the morning Sa'udah, you're having it in the morning, well, not in the morning, you're having it close to Hatzot, or you're ready in, after Hatzot, what you do is you can have your fish with bread, of course, then stop, save the Mazon bench, and then wash again for the sake of Saudah Shishit, and have another meal, continue to eat again bread, Inshallah. It's not called the Brachat Shainat Selicha because it is Selicha. It is, there is a necessity over here. That's one suggestion that's so brought down. Another suggestion is you should have early Saudah Shishit before Minha. Saudah Shishit has to be in the afternoon. True, we do it after Minha. The reason for that is because we want to follow Dariza. Dariza says Saudah Shishit should be specifically after Minha. But let's say you don't have such an option because you're, you, you like to dive in your shul and you want to pray in the shul where they're going to pray a later Minha. So then you're allowed to have some Rashi before if it's necessary. Beforehand, if it's necessary. And if you want to be makpid like that, Rizal, to dafka have the Rashi after Minha, but you don't want to eat so late so you can enjoy the Yom Tov meal. So pray Minha and then afterwards have the meal. Now, each one of these suggestions has pros and cons. That's why you go to your rabbi and you ask him based on uh, the list of here, which one, which way should I take for in preparation for Lil? Shavuot. Okay. Now, let's get some halakhot of Shavuot themselves on any time, whenever Shavuot comes out, whether it comes out in the middle of the week, or on Shabbat, the following halakhot apply. First of all, simple halakha. When we may come to make kiddush, the Bahrain bring down that person should not make kiddush on their Shavuot until it's for sure night. And the reason is because the Torah told us that you count 49 days, and then afterwards, you celebrate the holiday of Shavuot. So if you accept the holiday Shavuot early, that's great, that's fantastic, but the problem is you're knocking out the 49th day. From the 49th day, you're cutting it short. So therefore, you should wait till the night. This, Harim brought it as far as that you shouldn't pray Arbit so, you know, so early, you should pray Arbit later. But the main thing is really the Kiddush, it's not the Arbit. So if you want to pray Arbit earlier, you could pray Arbit earlier. It's preferable that a person should wait till it's for sure night to be able to say Kiddush. Next, when Motzei Shabbat is the holiday of Shabbat, the first time of Shabbat, then the order of Kiddush is a little bit different. We have what we call Yakni Hazar, five blessings. Yud Kuf Nun Hezayin. Yain first, Borepeh Gefen, then Kof, which is Kiddush, then Nun, which is Ner, you make a on the fire, yeah, because you have to make Borepeh every Motzei Shabbat. Then you make a especially of Habdalah, Mabdil Ben Kodesh Le Kodesh, and finally, he say the bracha of Shehiyanu. The bracha of Shehiyanu is said on both nights. Don't mix up. Both nights. On the night, on the first and second night, we make the bracha of Shehiyanu. So this way, people are not mezalzil in the second day of Yom Tov. Now we come to the famous 
Minhag. The Minhag is that all the Jewish people, the men, this applies by the specifically the men, as uh, Ben Ishaq brings down from the Rabbi Alim, ladies, it's not applicable to them. This is specifically the men. Ladies want to do it, they have options, but really specifically the men. What is that? To stay up all night. I want to point out that staying up all night, you know, there's a joke in Yeshiva. Some guys stay up all night and then they go to sleep in the morning after Shahid. And they don't wake up until they hear the shofar already by Rosh Hashanah Elul. So the joke has a lot of truth to it. It's very important to say, but it's a minhag. It's a custom. The rule is when it comes to these customs, these extra things, is that don't keep the custom and you know break all the other the necessities that you need to do. So a person has to be wise about this uh, custom, this minhag. But nonetheless, it's a beautiful, important minhag. Midrash tells us that the reason of the minhag is, or we find the Midrash, that the Jewish people overslept when it came to Matan Torah. And being that they overslept, so therefore, the tikkun is that we stay up all night. In fact, the Zohar already brings this. Not a news nowadays, or it started from Dhamma Shohan Aruch with that famous story. No. The Zohar already says, on this, this, the original Hasidim would not sleep, sleep on this night. night. They would sit all night learning Torah and they would say, Let us go and inherit a holy inheritance for us, for our children, in both worlds, in this world and the world to come. And the famous story of the Shlad that the Shlad brings down of how Maran Bet Yosef, the Shohan Aruch, when he was learning with a group of people, he used to live in Egypt, and he set up learning all night, and by the end of the night, an angel came and spoke from the mouth of the Rabbi Yosef Karo, and he told him, you are unbelievable what you're doing to Hashem. You've given such happiness to Hashem, you're staying up all night and learning Be'at Mada. And then the next time they did it again, because in Hutzlar, it's in Egypt, Pick yourselves up and go right now to Eretz Israel. And that's how Maran ended up in Sfat and Eretz Israel. It's a very holy, these two nights are very, very holy. We have the chance to do it twice, but it's very, very important. So, the importance is somehow to keep in mind. Number one, that is when a lot of places they have food, they have, for sure, they have coffee. There's no coffee, no coffee, no coffee, right? Right? In any case, any case so, so what about, about a guy who's constantly drinking coffee? coffee now, now, some places for minute in the bed, some places you have to go to the coffee room. room. Question, Question is, is, person mid a belacha, knowing that he's going to drink throughout the whole night. Every hour or two, the coffee runs out, he has to go get another coffee, another Red Bull. So is it, does he have to make another belacha or not? The answer is no. If he knows, that he's, he's going to drink throughout the night, whether it's coffee or water or whatever it may be to keep him up, then one beracha is good enough for the whole night unless he left the building. A lot of times people want to walk out, they want to air out. He left the building, he can't see his old place where he made the beracha. Then when he comes back in, he makes a new beracha. But otherwise, if a person is sitting there in the Beit Midrash or in the building of the shul, going from the coffee room back to the Beit Midrash and he's drinking or sometimes they put out food also and he's eating, that is fine. One beracha, you should not make another beracha. Only another beracha when he leaves the place. Now, keep the following in mind. If you're eating or drinking, when it comes to Alot shahar which is dawn, then you must stop eating. What about drinking? Drinking also, you're only allowed to drink something that you need for shahrit, like tea, 
light drinks. And some people are material coffee with milk. You have to know these halakhot. You have to also check with the halakhot of shahrit. We don't have the time to go into it. But that must stop by alot al-shahat. Since there's a hayu of tiflah already, you must stop eating then. And drinking whatever is permitted to drink before tiflah will be permitted also now. When alot al-shahat also comes, you must also stop to be able to say b'chot al-tawrah. Here's the order. This is what has to happen. Once alot al-shahat comes, then a person should do netilat yadayim, but without a belachan. And this is for sfaradim in the Ashkenazim. Some have different menhagim. I will tell you, double check or check with your rabbi, your local rabbi. For the sfaradim, you stop. You, if a person needs to use the restroom, okay, so use the restroom. Then afterward, do the netilat yadayim that we do every morning. You know, first the right hand, the left hand, then again the right hand, the left hand, right hand, and left. Do that, but without saying the berachah anitat yadayim. If you use the restroom, so you say b'chav v'ashe yatsar, and then if you don't use the bathroom, then you don't say b'chav v'ashe yatsar, but you must say the old b'chot shahar from Elokai, Nishmash, Nishmash, all of that, until including and including b'chot ha-Torah. All that must be said already by alot shahar Then you want to come back and pray. You want, I mean, uh, yeah, you want to come back and pray. You want to come back and learn. You want to go to the mikveh. It's fine. It's all good. In all cases, when the men are staying up and they're coming to show they want to put on the talit, you have to be careful because alot al-shahar is too early to put on talit. You have to wait till the time that's called mishiyakir. I don't want to give time because everybody has different calendars. You'll check with your show, with your calendar. That's the order of the night, the of the night. The big question that's asked is what should a person learn on their Shabbat? Should he do the tikkun or can he do gemara? Can he do halakha? What can he do? So really, this thing called tikkun is something that Dariza made up. Dariza put in a tikkun something that was set up. He set up that a person should learn from the whole entire Torah. He takes, basically, in general, he takes the first three pesukim and the last three pesukim of each parasha and then of each sefer nevi'im and ketubim. And also has, the tikkun also has the list of the 613 mizvot, some midrashim and some parts of the Zohar. That's a tikkun. Really, lechatchila, if a, per, a person should read the tikkun, that's where the shlab brings down, the hidda, and the lahunim, a person should learn the tikkun, because that's the main thing. But Acham Betzion says something very important. If you're learning in Yeshiva, Yeshiva Bakr, and your Yeshiva tells you, we have to learn Gemara, that's it. Don't argue, don't ask questions. This is what the Yeshiva wants, this is what you gotta do. Even Acham Betzion says, really learn whatever you like, anytime in your life. Learn Yemunah the whole Tashabot, but just the Tashabot, you say Tikkun, he says, your Rosh Hashiva says, this is what you have to do, this is what you have to do. Now, please, so a person has to, you know, be, um, you have to be a hakam in these things. Yes, Tikkun is preferable, but if they don't want to do it in Yeshiva, then you listen to a Yeshiva. You're part of the Yeshiva, you're part of the group. One body, one unit. You do what the Rosh Hashiva tells you to do. Al Tifrosh Mehatsibur. Okay, so you do tikkun, maybe early on do tikkun, no problem, do tikkun earlier. Learn it, but when you have a sa'udah in the meal, and if they start to learn it much later, in two, three hours, you should be able to finish the main parts of tikkun, that shouldn't be such a big problem. The mekubalim bring down, from that person should not learn mishnayot on lel shabuot, mishnah from the word shena, this is Kabbalistic, this is not my arena, but that's what's brought down, the person shouldn't learn it. Also, you have to be careful that you know, the whole idea of staying up the whole night is a concept called, it's like a tikkun karet. 
So a person should not sleep before the tikkun. That means he should have the meal in the house and then take a nap and go. The whole idea is to stay up the whole entire night. Again, if a person is unable to do it, you're not feeling well, okay, so you do whatever you can. But like a person should not uh, sleep, you should stay up the whole night, learn Torah. And make sure, Rabotai, that you're up, do not waste time. It's such a holy night, a person should be careful not to waste any time. This is segula, that a person should not talk from Baruchu until he says Ketan by Musaf in the morning. And you, know, you have to put extra effort on this to make sure you don't miss out. Okay, after the night, after you, you stay up the whole night, you pay chahrit, most people in Musaf, they can go home and they can be knocked out. Just be careful, I want to point out that a person should make sure that he should say Kiddush, have a revait of wine or a kizait of mezanot, of course, then go to sleep. Why? Because if you can go fall asleep and wake up after hasot, then it could be a problem that you haven't eaten the whole day, or at least hot salt a day, according to some opinions, that's like fasting. So make sure that you should, you know, unless you know if you're something, you wake up before hot salt and say kiddush, try to say kiddush before you take your nap, in case you don't wake up on time. Next. That is the halakhot of the night of Shabbat. Now we get to other halakhot of Shabbat, and that is regarding learning. There's minhagim of what to learn on Shabbat. We know that Shabbat is the day that when David HaMelech passed away. So because of his yard site, it's brought down. A person should say the entire Sefer on Shabbat. And any of what is supposed to be busy learning Torah, what a beautiful way to do it by going through the entire Sefer It takes about two, three hours a person who could read well. Keep in mind it's also the yard site of the Baal Shem Tov on Shabbat. There's also a manhag that some people read as Harot written by Rav Shlomo Ben Gabriel. There's basically a list of the Tariyag Mitzvot. And also, there's a manhag of reading Miglat Ruth. Some Saladim read it in their shul, some people read it in their houses. And by the Ashkenazim, they read it in the Tzibur or the Beracha from, from Mamash parchment. Everybody should do according to their manhag. Some even stay up the second night, and it's wonderful, those who stay up the second night. I know my colleague Ketet Siyon, those who want to stay up the second night, they have always, every single year, people who stay up, and they even have the minyan by Netzah It's wonderful to go over there. And even if you can't stay up the whole night, the Ben Shah brings down, the person should read on the second night at least the Tanakh from the Tikkun. That's also good to do for the second night. For this other minagim, and that is for food. The minhag is that people eat dairy on Shavuot. Where, what's the source of this minhag? The Ramah brings down that it comes from the fact that we have a korban on, during the time of Beit HaMikdash known as Shteh HaLehem. And this Shteh HaLehem is a zikr. It's like a, a hint, an allusion to this minhag. One bread for dairy and one bread for meat. The source of it, why do we have dairy and Shabbat? What's the idea? The explains that before Matan Torah, before Hashem gave us the Torah, we don't have the obligation of doing shaita. So if a person didn't slaughter his animal, it's not a problem. You just rip apart the animal and eat it. And you certainly don't have to worry how the knife, how sharp it is, how smooth it is. Go ahead and eat as whatever you like. Once Hashem gave us the Torah and Shabbat, they couldn't do shaita because why? It's already Yom Tov. You're not allowed to you're not allowed to sharpen your knife on Yom Tov. And now, all the meat that they had before Matan Torah, 
They couldn't eat it because it wasn't slaughtered properly. So what they, what they do, they had to eat dairy. And that's where the Torah comes to eat dairy on Shabbat. A third thing that's brought down is because the Torah is compared to honey and milk. As it says, Devash v'halab So that's why for the same reason also, we eat dairy on Shabbat. Wonderful. question is, are we eating dairy on Shabbat? How are we supposed to combine this in our meal? We know you're not allowed to eat dairy and meat. So what if you're having a meat meal on Shabbat? How do you do it with, with the dairy? So the answer is as follows. You wash, you say hamotzi, you eat your kezayt or kebetzah, and then you eat your dairy. After you're done eating your dairy, it should be only something small because your main meal is going to be afterwards. You should clean the dishes that you use for the dairy. If there's a tablecloth that there might be crumbs on it, also take that off or any dishes also. Wash your hands, wash your mouth, and then eat something dry like another piece of bread, and then you can go ahead and have meat right away. You do not have to wait after eating dairy to eat meat. You can eat dairy after you wash your hands, your mouth, and the tablecloth, and you know that there's no crumbs, you can have meat right away. There are specific cheeses that are aged cheese, and there is a, a manhag by the Eskenazim and some Saladim to wait a certain time with aged cheese. But in general, if it's not aged cheese, it's regular dairy, milk especially, you could eat meat right away. There is one more thing, that is the Zohar. According to the Zohar, a lot of people are in the Zohar, once you eat dairy, you need to wait one full hour until you eat meat. So if you have such a minhag where you follow the Zohar, beautiful, fantastical. But if you don't have such a minhag, so fine, again, just wash your hands, wash your mouth, eat something dry, change the dishes, and you can eat meat right away. So that leads us now to the next point. The question is, what if a person, could a person have an entire meal out of dairy? Forget it, you know, this whole combination, I want to be Muhammad like the Ariza, I'm not the Ariza, the, uh, the Zohar, and I want to wait a full hour. I just want to have dairy. I don't want to do the meat. Just dairy. Can I have a dairy meal on Shavuot, or, which is a Yom Tov? Or no, must I have meat? So, um, many years earlier, I used to always say a person must have meat. A person must have meat. That's why I read it. That's why it's so brought down in Salim. There's a hayyub to have meat. Now, one time, speaking to a big Tamil Hakam, one of the biggest Tamil Hakamim in our days, and Mamash Mgidoleh Hador from the Saladim, and I saw that he's eating on Shabbat, he was having a dairy meal. I said, Vodo, I mean, uh, you don't eat meat? Uh, you don't eat meat on holiday? He's like, why? Besashalamim? You know, the, the, the Gemara says, how do you make the man happy? Remember we started the class with this? We said, we have this Samahat Mahageka. Men also have to be happy. How do you make the man happy on the holiday? There's always ha in meat and wine. So he tells me, that's only by Shalamim. That's only Qurban Shalamim. That's not by regular meat in our days. He said, he tells me that his father, who was also a big Tamil Hakam, he used to have all four meals on Shabbat and dairy. So over here, he convinced his wife at least to have uh, three meals of dairy and have one meal of meat. Later on, I saw that this is Mefurash Bi'ur Halakha. Again, it's not Tafkuf Khaftet. I want to read it to you. The Mishabra Bi'ur Halakha says, how do you make the men happy? Because Maran doesn't say anything about how the men should be happy. He talks about how the men should make other people happy. What about Ha'anashim? 
שניסה את זה במשנה ברורה, ביאור הלכה, בזמן שבית המקדש קיים, היו אוכלים בשר של עמים לשמחה. When the bed of Mikdash was around, the men used to eat the meat from the korbanot, the korban shalamin they used to bring, to be mekayim, to fulfill the mazav samha. Kedekhtib, vezabahta shalamin veachalta sham vezamahta, you slowly shalamin, you eat there in the bed of Mikdash and you're happy. Veachshav shen bed of Mikdash kayam, today that there's no bed of Mikdash, any of you in the samha, ella beyayin. Today that there's no bed of Mikdash, the way you mekayim the mazav vezamahta vehakecha is only through wine. How do I know this is the Bible of Hashem Neymar? ויין ישמח לבא בנוס. פסוק לתהילים ק"ד, the wine makes the heart of the man happy. אבל בשר אין חובה לאכול עכשיו, כיוון שאין לנו בשר של עמים. But meat, there's no obligation to eat meat in our days, since we don't have בשר של עמים. However, בביאור הלכה קלקוד, במקום מקום, מצווה יש גם באכילת בשר. There's still מצווה ב-eating meat, כיוון שנאמר בוס חסס, we find שמחה also רעידה. Yeah, also points out, if you look at Shohan Aruch, you see that he writes that a person should set his meal on wine. What happened to the Basar? The answer is because based on the Baita, today, that we don't have Baita Midash, there's no obligation to eat meat on Yom Tov. Is it a mitzvah? Yes. It's good. It's great. It's fantastic. But obligation, no. This is what comes out from the Psaq of the Shohan Aruch. And as well as the Bible Halakha as well, that there's no obligation to have meat, but it's certainly a mitzvah for a person that's able to have meat. It's certainly a mitzvah, it's preferable. So we come back over here now to the question. Could you have a completely dairy meal on Shabbat? The answer is yes. You don't have to have meat, especially for a person vegetarian, or he doesn't eat meat because of kashur reasons, or he doesn't eat meat because of health reasons. You definitely don't have to have meat. And certainly if you enjoy dairy more, You could have dairy on Shabbat, not a problem. And for those who are going to have one meal of meat, it's preferable to have it in the daytime than the nighttime. Let's say some people, you know, divide up. They can say two meals, dairy, two meals. Meat, preferable to have the dairy in the evening and the meat in the daytime to be mekayim this mitzvah in such a way. Okay, this is all the time that we have. We are... Uh, There was one more that I would like to speak about, but that's it. We'll keep it, I guess, for a different time. We'll give you the number again to the studio if you have any questions. Uh, 718-683-5858. We take your phone calls off the air. You can text me any questions, 347-927-8398. And if you can't catch us by the station, you can always email us at halachahour at gmail.com. We want to wish everybody a hag kasher v'sameach. Have a wonderful holiday. To be the Torah, to accept upon ourselves the responsibility of keeping Hashem's words, like we said back then, that we should keep the entire Torah and to learn and have an enjoyment when we learn the Torah. And we'll see you after the Holy Shabbat. We'll go back to the Halachot of Shabbat. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Iran. Thank you, Abnissim, for hosting us. And everybody should have a wonderful week. Shabbat shalom and a hug. Samiyah.